0: Liverpool 3 0. Call it, check it quickly. Yeah! Yeah! Yeah!
1: Unbelievable! <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Anfield Central podcast. Another win for Liverpool in their new home stadium in Porto, where they always seem to get absolutely fantastic results. I'm joined by James and Max to talk about the Champions League action and preview the big game on the weekend. How are we doing, guys? Not too bad top of the both tables that
0: you can possibly top off. It's not one too bad. Yeah, yeah.
2: I, I, I could describe myself as uh, pretty good, off the back of uh, those two facts. Uh, I would have been happier if Atletico and Milan had drawn, but you
1: can't have everything, can you? Yeah, that pesky Luis Suarez again, who I'm sure we'll be talking about in, in future shows. Um, but as I say at the top of the show there, another great win for Liverpool in the Champions League in Porto. We always seem to absolutely batter them these days when we go over there. They must be absolutely sick of the sight of us there. It was 5-1 last night and pretty fantastic performance, I guess, guys. is is the place to start. You can't complain about that, can you?
0: No, you really can't. I guess it was a, it was a case of again, Liverpool not getting out of second gear at times this season. And I don't really think we needed to but I don't know what it is with Porto. Which they always seem to be quite um, impressive in the Portuguese league but whenever we play them, we always seem to Turn them over pretty convincingly. Is that because it 14 goals in the last three yeah. times we've been to we've been to Portugal? So I think it we must be there crypt tonight, but no, we completely nullified the game early on. And you know, listen, James Milner at right back put a shift in again, and the two centre halves were very really troubled. And it's just good to see the the usual Firmino, Mane and Salah on the team on the score sheet. And there's no complaints, and I think there's a lot of you know, a lot of optimism going into Sunday's game as well.
2: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, he's played right back twice and both teams, you'd argue their major threat was off the left. Uh, Will Zaha for Palace and Luis Diaz for Porto, who incidentally we've been linked with by Melissa Reddy um, mm. uh, earlier today, which when, when Reddy reports it, he's usually got some sort of substance to it. So, yeah. Um, Maybe it's not the best indicator of a, of a potential signing that a 35-year-old James Milner playing out of position has shut you down pretty well. Um, but uh, no, no, it was, um, it was very, very good. Um, not overly happy that Trent's missing, and I think we're going to miss him against City. Because um, Jack Grealish is certainly going to be the biggest test that I'm assuming James Milner will face, um, uh, or has faced so far as a right back. Uh, but yeah, I thought played beautifully, um, from what I could see for a fair bit of it. Um, Porto's keeper obviously helped us out because he had some sort of identity crisis, um, a few times, uh, when he was in the goal. I was, um, I was in Simon Mignolet and Loris carriers esque decision-making there, so, uh, Yeah, nice to be on the right end of your goalkeeper making a gigantic cock-up for once. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a happy boy off that.
1: Yeah, it was. some of the decisions that he was making were pretty questionable, wasn't he, the goalkeeper? But let's look at what Liverpool did well. And there was only one place to start, really. I think it was a bit of a coming-age performance for young Curtis Jones in the midfield there. Absolutely ran the show, didn't you, James?
0: I I think that's probably Curtis Jones's Best performance in a Liverpool shirt. I think we spoke about it on last week's show. We spoke about his impact against not maybe not so much AC Milan, but Norwich and how well he played when he started in that midfield. three. Uh, and he played really well against Brentford on Saturday, obviously got the goal. Um, but I think there's something different about European away games. I think going away into Europe um, is a completely different kettle of fish. You know, like I said before, Porto were no mugs. They seem to... Dominate the Portuguese league, and they got some really good players. some good uh, players have come from the from that you know that club and from that league. So, for him to goal there and play the way he did, get the three assists. Um, it'd be feel a little bit unlucky that the first first assist he got wasn't his goal and it wasn't parried by the keeper. But all in all, I think it was probably the best. Like I said, the best performance I've seen from Curtis Jones in, in a Liverpool shirt. And at the age of twenty, just seems to be. You know, taking his chances wherever he gets them. Listen, he's he's gone to the number seventeen shirt, which is obviously the shirt Gerard wore before he wore the number eight. So everyone's drawing the comparisons there. But if he carries on making those performances, I think that third spot we keep talking about Henderson and Fabinho, who's going to be the third? I think Curtis Jones is making a good argument that it should potentially be him.
2: Yeah, I think it's. um, I think he's easier to rotate with Harvey Elliott. I think they're certainly our two most attacking midfielders. out of who we've got. Um, yeah, he played He played really well. Um, he's, he's pretty much the easiest way to sum it up. His passing was good. Um, as Jurgen Klopp said, he defended pretty well, um, kept pressure on the ball. And, yeah, as James said, Porto and I mugs. like, they're pretty regular in the um, knockout stages of the Champions League. You have to be a fairly decent team to get there regularly. Um, so, yeah, I think... Uh, I mean, Curtis Jones is not all of a sudden getting him in the England midfield, like he's world-class, all that sort of thing. But I, I think it's certainly a performance that says that he can be trusted regularly in Liverpool's midfield now.
1: And a 400th Liverpool appearance for the captain Jordan Henderson last night as well. Um, his trajectory has been spoken about over and over again on various shows and about how his transformation from you know, promising youngster, but probably people would think not good enough for Liverpool or, or a team of this stature to Premier League and Champions League winning captain. We all know how wonderful that story is. But just to reiterate, his important for this Liverpool team in 2021 here and now, making his 400th appearance an absolute regular when fit for Jurgen Klopp. And again, he's just always shows his excellence. And I think he did again last night.
0: Yeah, he did. And I thought he was going to cap it off with that goal from the free kick where it was laid off to him. And yeah. was it Lopez, the portal keeper, managed to just tip it over the bar? But I think the main thing, like you said, the 400 appearances for Liverpool, it's, it's not very often in this day and age that obviously we're watching now where a player will make 400 appearances for one club. You're seeing yeah, players right. stay, at, stay at a club for two seasons, three seasons, then they move on. Um, you know, like I said, Henderson's probably, you know, the, well he's definitely the longest serving player in that squad at the moment so you think of all the players we've had and all the stars we've had and they've all moved on and Henderson still there just it's just testament to what Henderson is and the player he is and like I said and like you said then we've we've spoken about on this show numerous times about the lead he is on the pitch and what he does off the pitch with the food banks and everything but I think especially in this day and age the way football is fast moving and Managers are coming and going. The Players are coming and going. If you can make 400 appearances for one club, I think that just goes to show exactly what kind of player you are and what kind of person you are.
2: I think it's Diogo Costa is the uh, Porto goalkeeper um, uh, who made the save off Henderson's uh, Mm. free kick, which I hate to say this because I love Trent, but that is the closest that we've come to, uh, to scoring a free kick goal in quite some time. Um, yeah. I, th- I think it might not be the worst thing to have Hendo or someone else whose name isn't Trent or Mo Salah um, have a go at free kicks because I've never seen Mo Salah get close to scoring a goal from a free kit for Liverpool. And get Van ben Dyke
1: Dike on them. Get Virgil Van Dyke on free You kids.
2: know what? Yes, I'm with you on this. Mm-hmm. I would not mind seeing him do it, especially just like if it's like right on the 18-yard box and it's a struggle to sort of mm-hmm. get it up and down. Just have Van Dyke just absolutely leather it at the near post and just see what happens. Um, absolutely. Uh, but I'm pretty off- sure he scored
0: a screamer for Celtic once. I think it was yeah, like away at St. Johnston or something.
2: He has. He's, he he scored. If you look at the goals, he scored for Celtic, he scored a couple of bangers. He had one where he, he dribbled like half the team and scored. I can't remember who it was against, but I remember watching it just going, that's not a centre-half. Um it turns out <laughs> it's just Virgil van Dijk. Um, yeah, I mean, Jordan Henson's just he's just been an incredible servant, hasn't he? And what, one thing you notice about him is that, as with the free kick, he doesn't score crap goals. Like, he doesn't score very often, but my God, when he scores, they are bangers every single time. Um, he's already had one brilliant goal in the Champions League this season, the winner against AC Milan. Lovely strike. Um, he's, yeah, I, I think that he's still somehow, and I don't really know how. He is still somehow very underappreciated, I think, yeah. as a as a player and a leader for Liverpool.
1: And another man who we sometimes talk about as being a bit underrated is Mo Salah. And I don't want us to kind of regurgitate all the all the stuff we seem to say every single week after he scores the goal, but that is eight and eight now for, for Salah this season. Um, his goal scoring has continued to be at the absolute peak level. Um we've mentioned before he's absolutely one of the all-time greats of the Premier League, but something that was kind of discussed on the coverage of the game last night, um, which I thought would be an interesting topic to talk to you guys about, is when you think as genuinely world-class forwards for Liverpool, probably the next guy you'd mention would be Luis Suarez, Fernando Torres, they kind of come as a pair when people are debating this kind of thing. Who do you think is the better player in the Liverpool shirt out of Mo Salah and Luis Suarez? It's a tough one because we've seen how, you know, Basically, Suarez carried that forward line for a few years and how excellent he was, breaking records as well. But for me, I think given the longevity and how much he's won at Liverpool, it's probably going to be Salah for me. It's like what
0: you said then, Luke. It's it's, what do you pick? Do you pick... What's the longevity or do you pick just the one season? It's what you want to go off, really, I think. In terms of longevity, then, yeah, it has to be Salah. I think neutral fans have got sick of saying that Salah's a one-season wonder, then he's a two-season wonder, then a three-season wonder, then four. I mean, he's probably going to go on for as long as he's at Liverpool. But I think in terms of just that one season, Luis Suarez, that one season under Brendan Brendan Rodgers was... Just something else. He was completely different that season. Whether it was to try and get that move to Barcelona or not, I think it's very close between the two of them. Um, longevity certainly goes to Mo Salah. I think what he's done is, I think he has to go as probably one of the Premier League greats. You know, in his position, I'm sick of hearing he's a right. He's an inside forward. He's not a right winger. Cristiano Ronaldo had to play right winger of a of a midfield four. It's quite frustrating hearing that, but I don't know. Just if you just watch Luis Suarez that season, that title challenge in 2013-14, I think it's probably the best individual season that we'll ever see in the Premier League. And almost Salah then broke the record for the amount of goals in a calendar year um, in the Premier League. But the goals Luis Suarez scored in that season, I think a second to none and what he did for a bank average Liverpool team, let's be honest, Salah's played in much better teams than what Luis Suarez did. Yeah. Um but it's a tough one. But I will go more Salah just on the longevity. But let's not forget about that one season that Louis Suarez had. Well,
2: I'm going to butt the trend. Um, for me, I just, when, whenever these questions are asked, it always, as you said, depends on context. I don't think it's an ugly like, you know, if someone says who has had the greater Liverpool legacy, it's obviously Salah. It, like you'd be stupid to say it isn't. like the, the guy has won the Premier League. He's won the Champions League. He's won the Club World Cup. He has been one of the great goal scorers that Liverpool's ever had. Like you know the, the numbers speak for themselves. Most Salah, in terms of longevity wins. But in questions like this, like if you're putting together like your all-time 11s and stuff, it's for me about who is the best player at their peak at your club. And the answer to that is Luis Suarez. Luis Suarez is the best player I've ever seen in a Liverpool shirt. Steven Gerrard, Virgil van Dijk, Mo Salah, name any player. It, Mo, Luis Suarez is better than any of them. He, he, I would argue that he could genuinely go down as the best number nine. So discounting Ronaldo or Messi... Because they're not true number nines. They're sort of more inside forward kind of things. Um, I would say he's the best number nine of the last decade, even ahead of Robert Lewandowski. So it, yeah, that good. like that that shows how highly I raise it. Like I, I would put him in the same bracket as a it's probably not quite as good, but I put him in the same bracket as Thierry Henry. That's how highly I raise him. Um, and I think Thierry Henry is the best player that the Premier League's ever seen. So, yeah, he's if it's a question of would I rather have Mo Salah's time at Liverpool or Luis Suarez's time at Liverpool, I'd have Mo Salah's time at Liverpool. But if it's a question of which player am I going to put in my all time 11 as a striker, it's Luis Suarez. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one
1: because I always think do we have a nostalgia bias with these kind of questions get get bandied around do we not appreciate the guys who are doing it in the here and now but suarez was in that season absolutely magnificent wasn't he and you have to remember he had he had a ban at the start of the season didn't he as well so you could think of how many goals he could have scored if those first few games um he was available so six points out of six in the champions league um All going well there, top of of the group. Um, Next up in the Champions League is Atletico away. We know they had a bit of a slow start of a draw against Porto, but they won in Milan last night, albeit Milan were down to 10 men for a lot of the game. Um, It was a last-minute Luis Suarez penalty as well in proper Suarez shithouse fashion to win it for Atletico. Um, But with them up next, away from home, going there with those two wins behind us, How much of a boost is that for Liverpool in this group stage? Before a ball was kicked, we were saying it's a tough group. It's probably the toughest group we've ever had since Klopp's been here. Now we've got those two wins out of the way, which we've discussed on this show, has been so vital. Is it almost a bit of a free hit going to Madrid in that game? Because you know how good they are at home. And then, you know, we've got, then we're after that, we're halfway through the group stage already. I I just think it's a massive
0: confidence going into this game, knowing that you've already got six points in the bag. And you've seen Madrid fire a blanket home to Porto, who you've just beaten 5-1 away from home. And obviously they just scraped that result against AC Milan last night. But, you know, we spoke about it a couple of shows ago when the, obviously the group stage was drawn. And we said Liverpool need ideally six point outs to six before they go to Atletico Madrid, because not only have we got them away, but then we've got them at home again, yeah. you know, in the next as the Champions League comes around again um, for the next round of fixtures. so. We've we've played them before, obviously. You know when, when we got knocked out, and they are frustrating team at home, and they are a frustrating team away. But this season, they just don't seem to be clicking as much. They've got a few draws in the league where they probably should have won, and obviously last last night, you know, AC Milan went down to ten men, and that's when Atlético Madrid came into the game. Because before that, I think Atlético Madrid had the better chances. Um, so yeah, six points was de- out of six was definitely needed, but I think it's more the confidence you know now. You know you're the favourites to win the group. Everyone's looking at you to go there and get a result now. So I think the squad will be breathing confidence and maybe a little bit of squad rotation, not not too much. I'm not saying make four or five, three or four changes into the team, but you know Miller could possibly play right back again, etc. But um, you know it's absolutely massive and to see the other English teams, you know City dropping points in their group and United dropping groups in their uh, dropping points in their group, you know it just makes it all more impressive to see what Liverpool are doing in Europe.
2: Yeah, I mean, I said on our podcast when we were talking about the Champions League group, six points in these opening two games were absolutely vital. Um, what you want, ideally, is you want 10 points at least from the Milan and Porto games. Because, realistically, we are a better team than Porto or, or Atletico Madrid. We Like, we just are. Um they're both decent teams, but, you know... Do you mean oh, Milan? Oh, 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 sorry, Milan. Sorry, yeah. who did I say? Atletico. Oh, sorry, sorry.
1: Which I do agree with as well, but I just thought your point was about Milan.
2: Yeah, but I, I think <laughs> it's a, um, I, I think it's a closer gap with Atletico. And yeah. they have looked quite poor over their two games. I mean, the win um, over Milan they were losing until Fran Kessier got sent off, who not only does it take Milan down to 10 men, but it also takes off probably their best midfielder, if not their best player. Um, yeah, big, big so, big. yeah, I mean, that's a huge blow. So that's a fact you have to um, put into them winning at the San Siro. And they look very ordinary against Porto because it wasn't just the fact that Porto went there and got a draw. They had the best chances. Like yeah. Porto, Porto actually had the better chances at the Wanda. Um, so, I think the most important thing is to come away from the Metropolitano unbeaten. If we draw, I've no issues. Um, we just don't want to lose and then play at Anfield. Um, so, nice. yeah, and they won't beat us at Anfield. I'm fairly confident. Um, I say that. I didn't think they would last time they came to <laughs> Anfield, but. Uh, yeah, look how that went. We've just got to hope that Jan Oblak doesn't pull out a ridiculous performance again. Which it's fine. You know, there's no the, away goals now.
1: So, well, know, he's the
2: best shot stopper in football, <laughs> so there's a very good chance that he could do it. But um, yeah, I think I think this next game, if we can get a if we can get a draw, then um, then I think I'm pretty confident we'll go through. If we win, I'm hundred percent confident we'll go through.
1: Yeah, it'd be great to get a win and then, you know, hopefully wrap the group up before the last game and give some of the big, big, uh, big hitters a rest. But we know that that probably won't happen with it being Liverpool, but we'll wait and see. Um, anyway, um, just before we move on to the next bit of the show, I think it's worth mentioning after such a great goal scoring performance um, last night that obviously one of Liverpool's greatest ever goal scorers passed away this week, Roger Hunt, aged. 83, second only to Ian Rush in terms of Liverpool's all-time top scorers. Um, Won the league with Liverpool in the 60s. Won the second division with Liverpool in the 60s to get them promoted. And without guys like him, the Liverpool, we know, today wouldn't wouldn't exist. So I just thought it would be a nice way to round off that part of the show by mentioning his sad passing. Um, But next up for Liverpool is a massive game against Manchester City in the Premier League this weekend. City they've started well um but i think everyone's kind of thinking that they're maybe not as strong as they were last year they seem to be lacking you know that goal scorer after they chased kane all summer but they got a good win against chelsea at last weekend would you still have city down as as the you know the favorites to win the premier league this season despite their not a slow start cuz they've still they've still done well but they've lost a game against spurs they dropped points at home to southampton and guardiola does seem a little bit more tetchy than he might normally do
0: I just make them marginally favourites at the moment because it's, it's a tough one with mm. Man City, like you said. How many times have we seen, especially last season when they were so many points behind with the pool at Christmas and then, well, towards November Christmas and then still come and win the league by what was it, 12, 18 points to yeah. beat United by? Quite comfortable. So it, it is it is a tough one even though they have dropped points to Southampton and they have lost to the Spurs, Spurs, are still only a point behind us. Um, it, it does make it tougher, but I think obviously without them having a recognised striker and a recognised number nine who's going to play week in, week out and score the goals, they've been very fortunate to have Sergio Aguero for all the time they have, even though he has been injured in those seasons, to still have a goal scorer who gets injured but still scores 20 to 25 goals a season, it it is very much unheard of. Um, But yeah, I think that's going to be the Hercule's deal this season, As, as much as they are blessed with De Bruyne and Jack Grealish, who you know I've spoken about on here many a times, is being a one-in-a-generational type of player and somebody that you know Liverpool should have probably gone after, even though it wouldn't have fitted, but just because I love Jack Grealish. Um I think having no number nine and having to rely on I know Hayes who's got the winner, but he's he's, he's not an out and out scorer. He'll miss more chances than he scores, and the same goes for Heem Sterling. I think that's going to be their biggest downfall this season.
2: I think um I think that City don't look as good this season. Like, as I said before, I think if they got Harry Kane, then, like, you know, just cold curtains on the whole thing. Um, But they didn't. And I do think that, yes, whilst they have had some, you know, poor performances, like losing against Spurs the way they did um, and then dropping points to Southampton, I think people are going to look at the result against PSG – and say, you know, oh, you know, this City team a week, etc., which is a bit harsh considering they came up against a front three of Neymar, Messi, and Mbappe. <laughs> like, um,
1: exactly. <laughs>
2: but I think anyone who's going into this game thinking that Liverpool are going to win it fairly comfortably is kidding themselves. Like, this is still a really, really good side coached by one of the best managers of the last 20, 30 years. Like... This, this game is going to be really hard. It's going to be really stressful. Like This team, minus Grealish, came and spanked us at Anfield last season. They, they taught us a lesson last season. So I think a bit of humility needs to go into this match. Um, do I think we can win? Absolutely, I think we can win. I think that City have shown that, similar to United, they can be really vulnerable in the transitions. Rodri is not the, the um, defensive anticipator that Fernandinho was. He doesn't read the game as well as Fernandinho does when um, when the ball's in transition. That's where PSG hurt City uh, last night. And we've got a team that lives for transition football. I would not be surprised to see Naby Keita playing as an eight Um because, or Jones, it'll be Keita or Jones, because the one thing that City have always struggled with against us is having a dribbler from midfield, someone who's going to run through the centre of the pitch. If you watch the Spurs game back, Lucas Mora always dropped into the centre of the pitch, and he would run at the centre of the City defence with pace, and they really struggled against it. So I, I wanted to see us do that. I wouldn't actually mind seeing Mane, come in off that left wing and almost if we played like a almost like a, a diamond kind of thing and play Mane at the tip of that and run directly at Rodri I think that could be a really nice um, way to exploit one of City's weaknesses so look I can't wait for the game there are so many factors that you can throw into it and if Liverpool do beat City that's a real gauntlet thrown down in the title race, especially after they beat Chelsea.
1: Yeah, I mean, a huge psychological boost as well for, for, for Liverpool. Obviously, not many people are talking about Liverpool in the, in the, um, as potential title winners. I think when the title race is discussed generally, we've been talking about there's four teams who are way ahead of the rest of the league, but most people, I probably think you guys would agree, would say that it's a City or Chelsea are the two most likely but for Liverpool to get that win it will be huge so fingers crossed um in terms of team selection and the biggest news is obviously that unfortunately Trent Alexander Arnold will not be featuring um in this one he didn't play last night against Porto um I think it's a abductor injury um that will keep him out until after the international break so hopefully he will be back fairly soon, but he definitely won't be playing on, on the weekend. So that means we're probably likely to see James Milner back at right-back. Um, Joe Gomez had a little bit of a run-out at right-back last night for about 20 minutes, but I imagine for a game of this magnitude, Klopp's going to go with um, tried and tested. Are we worried about James Milner coming up against the Jack Grealish, or has he already proved himself in the games we've seen against Porto and Crystal Palace? Uh,
0: yeah, listen, if you can, up the best right back in Europe in Trent Alexander-Arnold, you may as well have the best, second best right back in Europe in James Milner at the moment. Um, but if you had to ask me if I had to choose between James Milner and Gomez, I would go Milner just purely on the basis of um, I wouldn't throw Gomez into such a big game after after coming from back from such a long injury. Um, and I don't think right back's ever his right position anyway. I always think he tends to come inside a little bit more Um, And he doesn't hold that right back position as well as, you know, Trent does or or any other natural right back. But I think the one thing you will get from Milner is he will work out down that right hand side and he will put a tackle in or two early on just to let Grealish know listen, I might not be the quickest player, but I am going to, you know, put a tackle in you whenever I get the ball. So, um, like I said, if you had to ask me now who would rather have it's James Milner, but at the beginning of the season, if you said James Milner at right back against Manchester City, I'd have said no chance, but like we spoke about last week, it just goes, it's just a testament to James Milner and just what a professional he is.
2: In terms of the question, um, Gomez or Milner at right back against Grealish in particular, I would definitely say Milner. Um, if there's one thing you can always describe Milner as, it's canny. Um he knows the movements that people are going to make. He's really smart at reading the game. And Grealish isn't Grealish isn't like Zaha. He's not going to beat you with raw pace and you know um and try and drive into the box as much as um as Grealish. I mean, Grealish can and will still do that, um, but just not to the same degree. Grealish is more Grealish is more of a playmaker than a dribbler, um in that regard at least Grealish again world-class dribbler but like just different he's not quite as direct um so yeah I think weirdly I think for a right back against Zaha I probably want Gomez more just because he's obviously a much better athlete than Milner in terms of his pace and his strength um maybe not in terms of fitness I don't think anyone's going to beat Milner in terms of fitness (laughs) um but, yeah, I, I think Milner out of the two is probably the best equipped to handle Grealish. Um, but I I don't know if they might go with um, Sterling and Foden, try and get a bit more pace out wide and maybe put Grealish into the midfield. Because Jordan Henderson, much as we were complimenting him earlier, um, has been a little slow coming back into defence a few times um, this season. and I wouldn't be surprised if Guardiola put Grealish into that eight role to try and get him in behind Henderson if Henderson gets stuck up too
1: far forward. Yeah, that's the thing with City. They've got so many options. It's quite it's quite scary when you put it like that, that they might be able to bring in you know, a Raheem Stone or you know, even a Ferran Torres or Riyad Mahrez or someone like that. There's lots of options. Um, spoke a little bit about the midfield. I guess the team almost picked itself other than that third midfield spot. I, the thing with Curtis Jones' performance last night is I think potentially before this game yesterday, you might have thought maybe Jones doesn't make it into your best 11 for Man City, but he put in such a great performance that, for me anyway, you guys might disagree. I think he's almost undroppable, and I think you have to play him against Man City. And one of his best qualities is, for me is that he can play down the middle or he can kind of hang out to uh, the left or the right-hand side. He's quite a versatile midfielder in that regard. Do you guys think that he will, or would you guys start him straight away again, or would you bring in a, someone like Kaita, like Max has mentioned, who we know is fit again now? I'm going to try not to get
0: sucked in the navigator <laughs> <at> hype. That's <laughs> I've spoken about before, that I often do. But in terms of Curtis Jones, I think you've got to play the player who's got the most, moment- the most momentum. I think that's Curtis Jones at the moment. I think the way he's dribbling with the ball, the way he's passing the ball, I think he's he's almost trying to make a statement to Klopp, saying, listen, you can play me in the big games, you can play me in whatever game, I'm going to turn up and I'm going to put the performance in. Um, like I said, I've always rated Curtis Jones and I've always thought he's been a good player and he's got a lot of potential ahead of him, but last night I saw a completely different player. Like I said, European away days are always completely different than playing Norwich in the Carabao Cup or, coming on against AC Milan when you're 3-2 up at home and the crowd's on your side. Um, I think it's, you know, we've seen a lot of Curtis Jones, especially last season due to the injuries, and I think that's been the making of him really. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't play Naby K to this game. Um, I, I trust Curtis Jones a lot more than Nabi at this moment in time. I think
2: that last comment, weirdly, considering I was the one who was having a go at sorry, a little while ago, I think that last comment was maybe a wee bit harsh. Um um, I would start Jones. Um, I think his movement behind De Bruyne, um, it, assuming he plays on that left at eight, and De Bruyne plays on that right handed eight, um, could cause City some issues. Um, and maybe get his dribbling going through midfield. I could even see a scenario—I don't think will happen—but I could even see a scenario where the midfielder who doesn't start is Hendo. Um, and try and get that dual dribbling threat behind City's midfield and going at Rodri. Um, I don't think that will end up happening, but I can see the logic for it ending up being the case. Um, yeah. I, If it's a choice of who I would start between Jones and Cater, I would say Jones because Kater, um has shown in previous games that you sometimes can't be trusted to... Do his defensive work um, as he did against Real Madrid when he got rather unceremoniously taken off after 40 minutes. Um and yeah, I I I don't think he'll start, but I think we'll see him at some point, especially if we go one-nil down. Um, I think we'll see Navigator come on um to provide that sort of direct threat through in the middle. Or maybe even Ox, maybe Ox. We haven't we haven't talked about him, but he's got history against City.
1: Yeah, he's one of the few guys that has really burned Guardiola, I guess, hasn't he? He's, um, that Champions League goal, he scored one in the league as well. Did he score in that 4 Three in the league as well. Yeah, he's, he scored the first.
2: He's put, he scored the first goal that game. First goal, mm. yeah, arrowed it into the bottom. Weirdly, I think it was almost a, a better goal that one. Like, not quite as spectacular, maybe, because the, the, the one against City in the Champions League just absolutely pinged it into the top corner. Yeah. But that one felt more... The the one in the league felt more deliberate because he, he carried it through midfield, and he, it was such a precise shot off the bottom corner of the... Um, off the bottom of the inside of the post and in. I actually... Yeah, was he hit it goal. from...
0: He hit it from the right hand side of the box into the bottom left hand corner. Yeah. About is, 20 is, yards it, out. Th- yeah, from the edge of the box into the bottom left hand corners, which I think is harder than being centre of the goal and hitting it into any side.
2: Yeah. I, I thought it was a really good goal. And that that sort of pace going through the middle. I mean, like as I said, I mean if if you think about the teams that have really hurt City, um it's usually a Spurs or us or Wolves. Basically, someone who has got a player who's willing to carry the ball at people through yeah. the middle of the pitch. Because whenever Wolves have played them, Adama Traore has played through the middle. And he just absolutely canes them through the middle of the park when he picks up the ball in transition. Um, and I think you'll see Liverpool try and do that. Um Because I think that's by far their biggest weakness is in the middle of the part in transition, particularly if Fernandinho isn't starting, which he
1: isn't anymore. Yeah, agree agree with you there. Um, One option we've not mentioned which could be a possibility is like we saw the Etihad last year in the 1-1 draw is that all four of Liverpool's regular forwards play and that obviously helped them with what we've been talking about, going for that quick um, directness on the transition if you had Salah, Jota, Mane, and Firmino. James, is that something that you could see as potentially doing again? But this time, you know, at Anfield with the crowd behind you, that could be quite powerful.
0: Yeah, and I think with that offers obviously completely different options. Obviously, which one do you start? Do you have Firmino starting the press, and then I have Jota playing behind Firmino, and him being the next wall? And it, it gives different options, and obviously, you will make Manchester City think. A lot more about what they're going to do especially passing them up the ball at the back we know we like to they like to build up at the backers just as much as we do but again the only the only thing with that is and we've said it a few times especially last season is if you've got all your most attacking and creative players on the pitch at once if Liverpool do go 1-0 down or it's 1-1 with 15-20 minutes to go and you want to go and kill the game you haven't got many options from the bench. Um, So I'd probably expect us and I'd like to see us just to go with the Salamane and Jota at the moment, Um, just because obviously Firmino's coming back from injury and I think to throw him into such a big game uh, against Manchester City, where the intensity is going to be high and the crowd are going to be behind you, I think just might be a little bit too soon for him. Um, But uh, definitely, I know Jota's been wasteful his last couple of games, but... You know we've seen what he could do last year when I think he went on a run of sixteen goals in nineteen starts for both club and country or appearances, something like that. So um yeah definitely go with that front three. But I think you play the risk of starting off for that if something goes wrong in the game or the game doesn't go the way you want, where do you go from there? then your next chance your next option is just a Rigi. Whereas I think if you know as much as Rigi played well against AC Milan and Norwich, but I think if you know you draw a nil nil or you're one nil down, you look to your bench, you know, know, does play well against City in terms of they don't like how he presses. They never have done. You know, you look back to the game, you know, the 4-3 at Anfield and in the Champions League games um, that season. I just think maybe keep one of them on the bench just to be on the safe side, just in case the game does go the way that Jürgen Klopp and the way we expect don't expect it to go.
2: Yeah, I I actually think I would start Firmino with the plan to take him off at 60 minutes. And I would actually play Mane through the middle and play Jota wide purely because, and again, I know I'm banging this drum, but purely because I want as much pace through the middle of that part late on as I can. So weirdly, I reckon the front three I'd start is gonna Jota. I, I, I'm <laughs> going to put Jota left, Firmino up front, and Mane right. Sorry, and uh, Salah right.
1: I was going to say that. then. Um...
2: Uh, yeah, so I play Salah right, Jota um, left, and Firmino in the middle, and I bring on Mane late. Yeah. Because yeah. I th- I think you want... I think a fresh Salah Mane in that nine position would be a horrible proposition for um, City and the way they play. Whereas I think if you stick him out on the left... I think in this particular game, I think you neutralize his best asset against
1: this team, which is his pace and his strength through the middle of the park. Yeah, who said we didn't have any squad depth? Bringing Sadio Mane on against Manchester City, <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: and also I think a forward that um, that we've forgotten about is Takumi Minamino, who has played well when he has played um, for us That's this true. season. Um, I think that his little movements in and around the box and the way he likes to pick up space, I think, could be. He's not, you know, obviously he's not on the same level as the, you know, prime four. But I don't think he's the worst option in in this case. I think um, another issue that City have got this season. I don't think Ruben Diaz has been anywhere near the level that he was last season. If you watch him against PSG, I didn't really see it until it got pointed out to me this morning, and then it stuck out like sore thumb. The guy went to ground twice against Idrissa Gueye, and Idrissa Gueye scored his goal when Diaz was flat on the floor. Yeah. And he's just banged it into the top corner. Diaz is a very impatient defender.
1: He does dive um, in a
2: lot. And he dives in a lot. It looks amazing when he gets it right, obviously, Um but when he gets it wrong, he leaves you a lot of space. And if I were Jurgen Klopp, I'd be saying you put as many dummies on that guy as you can because he's so overzealous with how he defends. If you can put him on the floor, you've really opened that space for yourself. Poor man's
1: Nat Phillips. <laughs> and on that, the
2: sixty-three million pound Nat <laughs> Phillips. I think on that on that logic. <laughs>
1: And that's the title of the episode. And on that note, um, we will leave you. Um, James, Max, as always, thank you for your time this week. Yeah, it's good
0: good to be back again, boys, and hopefully another big three points on Sunday and climb even further at the top.
2: Oh God, please let it happen.
0: Um, yeah,
2: I will uh, see you guys shortly. And as usual, it is always a pleasure.
1: Brilliant. Thank you guys. Um, if you want more content from us, we've got plenty of articles on our website and and we're always about on Twitter too and field underscore central. But until then, goodbye.